Welcome to Cinema Animals Nights, uh, your one-stop shop for little animal movie talk that maybe maybe you want to listen to after the kids have gone to sleep. I'm, as always, your host, Simon Barrett. With me, I have Mike Lochran in from Philadelphia. Hey, guys. And Mikhail Britt here in Los Angeles. Good evening. So, obviously, this is a more serious podcast than our previous podcast, and we're starting with a film. I think. And how I saw... are we going to say it? Are we going to say it like a normal person would say it? Or are we going to say it the way it's spoken throughout the film? We're going to say it Canadian style. All right. Tanya's Island, folks. Tanya, yes. Tanya's Island is the name of this film. You might have said <laughs> Tanya's Island prior to now, but I'm, I'm telling you the text does not support that reading. On Tanya's Island. So I discovered Tanya's Island on Instagram. I just saw a photo a photo of like the still image of our uh, DD DD winters or vanity and the, the ape man. And I thought, wow, this was a random one, a more, I think it definitely, definitely more obscure one in, in so obscure. In fact, that we had to purchase the DVD. This is unavailable on streaming. I'm sure if we were more savvy to the ways of piracy, which I mean, you can't even ethically feel good about having bought this DVD since it's pretty obviously a bootleg. Um, and yeah, this is not this is not a film that can be, I guess, legally found anywhere for reasons that I don't quite get. But I don't, yeah, but I mean, might well, be related to the film's quality. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or like any or the subject matter of the film. Yeah. But there are, however, uh, many ingredients to this motion picture that make it a well-known curiosity. I'd heard of this movie uh, long before you brought it up, Mikhail, um, and of I'd heard of it. Of course you did, Simon. Of course you did. Long before. How much? How many years before? Like when you were in high school? <laughs> yeah, like probably like honestly about 30 years. <laughs> so, and because the reason I'd heard of it is that, you know, the ape costume that was made by Rob Botton and Rick Baker is this kind of notorious special effect because both these guys went on to much bigger and better work almost immediately uh, in the case of Rick Baker, who did American Werewolf in London right after this. And Rob Botton did uh, The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing just a couple of years later. So these are like basically the two best special effects artists in the world combined to make truly an amazing monkey suit. I would agree. I would agree. I w- How did you say Rob's name? I said Rob Botton, but I, well, I I don't know if that's correct. It could be Botine. It's Botine. Uh, it is Botine. I did some research. Uh, yeah. You know, I should know that uh, from like various special features, but I, I did not. So thank yeah, you. Yeah. Mikhail, how long were you waiting to correct one of us when we mispronounced the name of that guy? Because no, we've been 30, waiting to do this episode for 30 long, years. 30, 30 years. years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Rick Baker and Rob Botine did, uh, created the character of Blue. Uh, who's one of the three characters in Tanya's Island. Once upon a time, there was a man, a woman, and a beast. (sighs) On Tanya's Island, adrift in a tropical paradise, 
where fantasy and reality blend, two lovers find heaven and hell. Uh, Mike, do you wanna do you wanna take a shot at describing the plot of Tanya's Island? I want to say it's more of a premise than a yeah, yeah, plot. That's, that's accurate. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. So yeah, a, a, and barely that. It's a surreal premise. It's a surreal premise. All right, so I'll I'll try. Uh, the um, uh, main character whose name appears in the title is Tanya. Tanya is married to a very bad man. Are they married or? Well, mm. she's lives with at least. Yeah, I, I think not married. A love so rare, a summer affair. Tanya, a young actress, alone on an enchanted island. With her lover, Lobo, an artist, alone, he thinks. Yeah. Not married, but lives with uh, like an abusive, like a angry surrealist painter. I'm going to stop you right there. Right, right. I don't know that anything you've just said is supported by the film, <laughs> other than that the guy is a painter and they are in a relationship. Well, I don't think I she this? lives with him because okay. the only conversation we hear them have okay. is uh, is him saying, like, basically, get out of here or I'm going to call the police. Uh, and then there's, like, a shot of them smearing paint everywhere. In the right. shower. And that's In the okay. shower. And then she climbs a flight of stairs holding a candle and it gets foggy and she hears an ape and then she's on an <laughs> and island. Then, and then the rest of the movie takes place. Yes. And then the rest <laughs> of the movie takes place. Yeah. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone. I'm pissed off. I'll get even with you. There was someone in those trees. Yeah. The well, the anyway, said- I wanted something that makes this podcast the nights aspect of it. Uh, the boyfriend's name is Lobo. And the actor's name is Dick Sargent. Richard Sargent, yes. Yeah. So I felt that that was was appropriate for like our new Knights theme. Well, that definitely would not have been appropriate for our prior podcast. So I I guess I'm glad you saved. Yeah, I guess I'm glad you saved that kind of filth for now. Uh, Mike, (laughs) were you gonna were you gonna continue with your description of the the rest of the scenario? Well, yeah, I mean, but then as you know, as we know, it gets even less, there's less plot for the rest of the movie like we've already covered most of the plot she's on an island with what's his name Mikel? Dick, dick sergeant well lobo? dick Sar- dick sergeant playing the character of lobo lobo so she's on the island with lobo but then they're also on an island with uh blue mm-hmm. and blue is the um the animal which is why we're talking about this movie the ape man you know the mike ape, people are going to think man. you're not happy for us to be back <laughs> <laughs> but I know that's not the case. I really I really struggled with this one and um this one really hurt. It really hurt me. Um you can't you can't be this defeated straight out of the game. <laughs> it was really it's just really it really hurt. Deep in the tropical rainforest, some mysterious inner urge draws Tanya toward the source of her strange obsession. Yeah, and so the rest of the movie is a, basically a love triangle uh-huh. between uh, Vanity playing Tanya and her human lover Lobo and the her, I guess, the ape that is infatuated with her. Um, I think she's more infatuated with him. Yes. The ape seems kind of... Um... 
uh, neutral. The the plot description of this film that you'll find on the internet is is a, like a, that a woman in an abusive relationship fantasizes about some scenario of being on a deserted island with her abusive partner and a large primate that also uh, ultimately abuses her. Uh, spoiler alert. By I, I think even that is giving the film almost too much credit. I just right. I, I do not know what it's saying with any of that necessarily, but I. Like all we see of her relationship is them smearing paint on each other and him telling her to leave. And she's like, no, I don't want to leave. And he's like, get out. Tanya finds the secret the island holds. A beast who fills her with fear and fascination. The beast who becomes her friend. Initially, the ape provides, I guess, like a sensitive alternative, um, mm-hmm. even though the ape kills his pig, like straight out of the gate. Oh, yeah, the, pig. the ape kills the pig. And that's kind of the first blood between the between Blue and Lobo is Blue killing Lobo. How is it pig. established, if it is, that she's having a fantasy? Well, that's yes. OK, great, Good, that's great what question. I wanted to bring up. Is this a fantasy or is this? A memory. Certainly, every description of the film paints it as a fantasy. And at the end, she wakes up, making you believe maybe it was a dream. But no, I think this is a. I think I do not think this is a fantasy. I think this is a memory. I think that she has PTSD. That's why at the beginning she's all stressed out on the film set because she had this crazy experience with Lobo. So I don't think it's a fantasy. Huh. Well. Is... I mean, the thing about this movie is it's really barely a film. And, you know, the DVDs that we bought were of, of low quality, but it's hard to imagine feeling kind of otherwise. It, it feels incomplete. It feels very padded to feature length, um, as, as these movies often are. Um, you don't want to hurt me, do you? The days drift through dreamy death. When, you know, when we were 13 years old, I mean, this movie would have rocked my world. The amount yeah. of nu- nudity. Well, here's what's weird. There's there's, there's such clearly... a constant, steady supply of nudity <laughs> from one person in particular that you just kind of get used to it. It's kind of numbing. It's kind of actually not. It, it becomes um, n- non horny. So vanity, uh, you know, I, that is I true. Rem- it's a very unhorny film. Despite it, its efforts to be very horny, it's very has. horny. It, it's it's kind of feels like a unhorny director being tasked with a very horny film, but not quite knowing what to make of that, and thus making a inscrutable and ultimately deeply unsatisfying art film. You make me feel like an animal. Jealousy rears its ugly head. Jealousy in the mind of man. Jealousy in the heart of the beast. Uh, but I want to talk a little about Vanity, uh, aka uh, whose whose real name was Denise Matthews, the star of this film. Who, uh, who Prince wanted her name to be Vagina. He did want her name to be Vagina, uh, and he wanted her band ultimately to be called uh, the Vagina Six, 
Um, but uh, things went the other way. Did you read, by the way, what Prince wanted the original name of that band to be? Yes, no. I do know the hookers. The hookers. So, <laughs> so Prince, uh, maybe not that great at naming bands, a fine artist in other ways, uh, but not good at naming uh, female artists. Uh, however, uh, Denise Matthews prevailed and they settled on Vanity. Uh, she was in his band, The Vanity Six. He, uh, he met her um, because she was Rick James' date at the American Music Awards. Uh, prior to that, she was kind of just, I guess, a fashion model, mainly in the Toronto area. You know, she's Canadian, born in Ontario, and uh, she was born in 1959, and she made Tanya's Island in 1980. Uh, so prior to, or I guess it came out in 1980, so she would have made it probably a year or two prior to that. So she would have been 19, 20. Um, but this was before she met Prince and went on to musical, her musical career and fame, which is, I assume, why she's credited in the film as Dee Dee Winters. Mm. Uh, I assume she requested going under an alias, uh, like when the film started to really circulate or something of that nature. Or she might have just been so embarrassed from the very start, uh, given the obvious nature of this film, <laughs> that she requested an alias even at the age of 19 before she had any fame whatsoever. I don't feel like she was embarrassed. I feel like, um, I mean, that's the thing with this film is I feel like everyone really believed in it until they didn't. Well, uh, Vanity, as you may know, uh, you know, she went on to bigger fame in films. She was in The Last Dragon, Action Jackson, uh, and she's, she has a uh, she's naked and never too young to die. Um, but she uh, she overdosed on crack in 1994. And prior to that, she had already been a born again Christian who declined, who started not doing nudity, but after that, she became fully, uh, fully Christian, dedicated her life to evangel evangelism. And, uh, and so, and then she really denounced all her former work. So hard to say how much she really would have hated Tanya's Island if she hadn't <laughs> overdosed on crack and found God. So in one of the uh, things I read online, it says it, it, it presents the idea that, that the ape emerged from one of Lobo's paintings. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's another that's one of these things that the film definitely read. implies that the ape emerged Does from it? one of Lobo's paintings. Yes. I didn't, oh, I didn't get that. Okay. I didn't get that. Prior to the appearance of Blue, he paints uh, an ape that doesn't look very much like Blue, but you know they they were probably had to do the painting before they mm. built the costume or something like that. And uh, and but it is definitely a blue esque um, primate, and she stares at it for oh, a long time. I missed that scene. You wouldn't necessarily, it wouldn't necessarily make an impression. Again, it's just another scene where Vanity's walking around on the beach naked, staring at something, mm. um, which is, you know, 90% of this like 80 minute film. I'm trying to, I'm trying to piece together um, like in the chronology of the movie. And especially I'm thinking about, uh, as Mikhail was talking about all the nudity, which is like very prominent in the, like the title sequence, right? And she's mm -hmm. having sex with Lobo. Uh, yeah, you get a you get a little bit of male frontal. You get a little bit of male frontal. Our, our readers, yeah. our, our listeners, are are very probably. It's a great point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, great point. Um, but what does like where is that sex scene in the chronology of the movie? They're not in the. They're not in the fantasy at the when the titles are running right. Tanya's lover resorts to brute force to reclaim his woman. The beast wants his mate. The animal in man, the humanity in the beast. Which is stronger? 
It's never no. a fantasy. That's because uh, it's never a fantasy. I well, I mean, I I, I do agree with Mikhail that the that every description of the plot that I've read of this film doesn't seem accurate when you watch the film yeah. itself. But don't they like uh there's some like comedy stuff going on where it like first he's trapped and then they're trapped and then like they all kind of take turns being trapped in that cage well i mean the interesting thing i guess about all those scenes where he's like where like he's trapped with her and the apes like trying to get in i mean it's obvious that the people making this one were really trying to say something fairly profound is is something that i guess we should say i mean i i do think that this was not intended to just be like pure smut this was intended to be very high-minded smut um, you know, right. It has like, ideas about desire for sure. Yeah. They were trying to be, you know, they're like, not like, like fully formed ideas and they don't seem to mean anything, but no, but like, this yeah, is coming out of intention. Like, you know, there, there was a, there were several great, like kind of X rated 1970s films, um, that, you know, were not seen as like just being pornographic also in the sixties. And this is kind of trying to, I guess, be, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say like, this is trying to be like, I am curious yellow or like, you know, in the realm of the senses or something, but the director's first movie was like a Alice. Uh, so I've seen every film by this director, which is easy to do. Cause he's only directed three features. Did you, I not this... only have seen all three of his films, I own them all on disc. Is deep, deep sleep though. Have you heard of that one? Wait, no, wait, what? <laughs> that was before those. He made a, it's called, it's, it's a tongue in cheek, hardcore parody. It's oh, like a okay. 70s porno movie that's also a film called Deep Sleep. So he was like in that realm of, of huh. adult but, filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does seem like his early career was adjacent to that. Um, so we're talking yeah. about Alfred Soul here, who directed uh, Alice Sweet Alice is probably his biggest and, and best film, 1976. Which uh, has starring, Brooke Shields, right? Yeah, Brooke Shields uh, in a supporting role. And and I, I quite like that movie. It's like a Canadian giallo. Uh, it's it's really weird, and and but actually quite good. And, and then he did Tanya's Island four years later, or it came out four years later, and then he followed it up with the horror parody Pandemonium, which is honestly pretty good and, and really strange. And it seems like after that, he pretty much became a production designer working on uh, Veronica Mars. So this guy made otherwise decent movies, like watchable films. That's the really weird thing about this is yes, I'm here to to say that I've seen, I've seen all three of Alfred Soul's like big features and I quite liked the other two. Like I wouldn't recommend Pandemonium to anyone, but in like that era of like eighties horror parodies, it's, it's pretty good. And Al Sweet Alice is actually great. I mean, like Tanya's sensuality is strongest of all compelling, irresistible. The beast follows his nature and his Tanya. Fantasy and reality meet on Tanya's island. I mean, it has the look of a movie that like the people that involved would never make another film. Like that sort of looks that way. Yeah, and they they barely did. They barely did. Um, You know, but Vanity went on to bigger things and he kind of did not. I kind of um, wish that, yeah, I mean, I guess I wish I had never seen this movie. It mm. it existed in my mind as something so much better. Well, I'm not sure I, I personally would agree. I I did not like this film <laughs> uh, and I do not recommend it, um, which is, you know, it's par for cinema animals. 
Um, but I was not unimpressed by it. I mean, again, the ape costume is fantastic. Like you really do feel like you're watching an actual like animal with her in a lot of those scenes, which makes them, you know, all, all the weirder because nothing else that's happening makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and again, like, you know, it's hard to, you know, Denise Matthews, Vanity as the lead, she's not, you know, amazing necessarily, but she's better, you know, than most. And, you know, watching her just walk around and looking like kind of vaguely spaced out is fairly entertaining for, you know, five to seven minutes. And then you get sick of that, you know, real quick. And then the movie has some movies a really boring slog. But, you know, again, I would say there's like seven to eight solid minutes of entertainment here. Uh, and beyond that, I was just kind of impressed at how ambitious the film was. Um, so I, want I, go, I want to go back to the, the premise for a second. Uh-huh. There, That's fair. Once we're at yeah. the island, yeah. it, Tanya's with Lobo, and then they uh-huh. decide to let's switch sides to the other side of the island. That seems to be a really big plot point. Yeah. 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 It, and he's like, he's threatened by that because he's like, what, are you bored of me? Yeah, I mean, the the interesting thing about this film (laughs) is that it is an analysis of toxic masculinity, like through and through, Um, but not good enough for that to really like register at all. I guess, like even even on an island where there seems to be no other humans, he finds a way to be jealous. On Tanya's island. Yeah, jealous, insecure, you know, aggressive. Yeah, I mean, he. He exhibits, I, I guess, a lot of the worst traits of like a macho character well, in these films. In I fairness to a- him, in fairness to him, um, his wife does fall in love with an ape. Like that's why he's jealous, right? Yeah, and they did prior to that kill his pig, which and 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 right. uh, so- uh, evidently rip off the pig's head and like leave it out to like taunt yeah. him. Um, yeah. If I remember that scene correctly. So yeah, he, right. he's not he's not totally in the wrong. Right. Yeah, what is that rep- like ripping the well I, I think Lobo, the name Lobo, I think means low libido. Oh. And I think I think he has erectile dysfunction. Okay. And he's very he's very angry about that. Okay. That's yeah, why he's threatened. Okay. So you you you're not going with the, the you know it means wolf in Spanish. No. Okay. <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, no. It Lobo, means wolf in Spanish Lobo. is a very is a very cinema animals analysis, and right. as we know, this is cinema animals nights. Well, so Lobo nights in Sp- a little deeper. Lobo, even in Spanish, the word Lobo stands for low libido. Oh, I did. I, I didn't know that. I don't. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. just... Um, I did want to talk a little bit. That about... guy's got Lobo. Like, so you could dis. You could in like. That's what someone would say in Spain. Yeah. It'll well. It might it might enrage you so much that you might eat a hundred bananas. Um, Is that something that happens in this film? <laughs> yeah, remember when Lobo when he really starts turning into an animal and there's just to hammer home the idea that he man is now becoming beast. He eats yeah. a bunch of he like steals a bunch of bananas and eats. Yeah, them. and he eats them like wildly. Yeah, yeah. I I actually have to admit I'd completely forgotten that. <clears throat> it's a good yeah i mean i forgot that that the gorilla ripped the head off of the pig um so this was when i say this is a canadian tax shelter film um uh, yeah. one of the production yeah, companies yeah. being the canadian film development corporation uh do you gentlemen know what i mean by that i no. do not uh well let me take you into a journey of a very special era of 
the cinema. Canadian tax shelter films. So essentially from 1975 to 1982, because Canadian movies were so few and far between, and, and also I think of uh, people felt kind of low quality, uh, they, the Canadian government kind of started offering a tax credit, which is really crazy. Whereas like now, um, so like we did seance up in Winnipeg and I think our maximum tax credit that we got on like some money spent within the province was like 30, 35%. Um, they went to a 100% tax rebate on every dollar spent in Canada for any project that met certain criteria of being a Canadian film, which meant, you know, like, like, uh, two thirds of the above the line, people had to be Canadian, the producers had to be Canadian and so on. And so this led to a lot of movies, basically any movie made this way was instantly profitable just because of that huge rebate. So Tanya's Island for sure was instantly profitable. Um, this is, this led to some great things. This is kind of how David Cronenberg got his career start. Uh, his first five features, including The Brood and Scanners, were all Canadian tax shelter movies made that way during that era. Also, um, a couple of films I love. Uh, Siege is a really great movie. Um, that slasher, the original slasher, My Bloody Valentine, is a Canadian tax shelter movie. And after 1982, they basically realized this was crazy uh, and they started getting enough production there and they built up enough of a, you know, kind of production infrastructure that they started bringing that number back down. But a lot of crazy movies were made specifically in Canada during this period. So if you ever hear anyone kind of hmm. say a Canadian tax shelter film, they're referring to the fact that a lot of uh, bizarre movies got made this way, including some big movies. Uh, Meatballs, the Bill Murray, uh, Ivan Reitman film, um, is, a, is a Canadian tax shelter movie for sure. And you just have to wonder how people felt uh, you know, seeing a movie like this and being like, our tax dollars goes <laughs> to support this. I think it's great. I mean, I would, I would, I would love for, you know, every dollar that America spends elsewhere to be spent on Tanya's Island. But, you know, that's probably just me. On Tanya's Island. Mike, were you surprised when you realized that her name is not Tanya, but Tanya? I was, yeah, I was, I was surprised. That was, was like surprised the, that was like that. the most surprising part of this movie for me. That, that's kind of the first big uh oh moment. <laughs> um, so much of the dialogue is hard to hear because there's always fucking like chimes in the background of every scene in this movie, so that you can't <laughs> like every or like sticks of bamboo that are clanking around. Like there's all this background noise. It's so true. annoying. It's called yeah. sound. It's called sound design. Well, again, it's hard to say how bad this DVD is. You know, I I, I would be interested to see or Mike's you know, DVD player also. Oh, well, that also that, yes. yeah, that's the, a good the times might have just been like like it like like its machinery clanking together as it desperately <laughs> tried to spin a disc. But um, I I mean, I would love. Well, I'll amend that. I would be morbidly interested in seeing a film print of Tanya's Island. Just because, like, I'm curious how how bad it could really be because it looks very poor. But I assume a lot of that is the transfer because, again, mm. this director's uh, subsequent and um, prior work was both way better than this. There's all that footage of Mighty Joe Young. Oh yeah, thank you. Kind of interesting. I mean, it seems like they're trying to really say something that's not just accidental. Well, you made the point that it would make sense for them to be showing clips from kind of King Kong there. Um, and, you know, King Kong, Fay Ray and King Kong, Beauty and the Beast to do some kind mm -hmm. of weird parallel with Tanya's romance with Blue. Um, but I, I don't know if they just couldn't get the rights. 
Because uh-huh. Mighty Joe Young is is not, I mean, it's a pretty big King Kong ripoff, um, but it, it doesn't culturally have that element in the same way that King Kong does. And, and are these... we should clarify, of course, that we're talking about the original Mighty Joe Young here right. from uh, the 30s, not the Bill Paxton one from the 90s. Right. Where, right. where are these clips in the movie? I, I don't remember. The beginning and the very beginning and the very end. Like so they just I... show screens in oh, the studio okay. that are playing yeah. like footage okay. from a, an old black and white monkey movie. You see it yeah. on like the screens, like in kind of like a news station yeah. environment. I did want to ask about the end because the ending was really confusing, too. And I, I guess the ending is confusing <laughs> for the same reason that the beginning is confusing. Which yeah. is that there's just like some clips of some shit that you're not quite sure how it connects to the film. <laughs> yeah. Right. The That's credits is the credits end uh, like tw- like on the Mighty Joe Young TV screen, but also uh-huh. on the Right, I can't. I didn't yeah, know how to, I don't know how to describe this. Yeah, yeah. They, they like bring like the title into like the Mighty Joe Young screen, kind of. It, it it's like the credits roll so, right. on screen, but they also roll on the screen within the screen, kind of. That, that's yeah. a good way to describe it. It, yeah. it, it, yeah. it is actually the coolest part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I remember thinking that is cool. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, it, I guess it might make our scene squealers element kind of anticlimactic because I'm sure that's all of our favorite moment. Um, but because <laughs> a the credits are rolling. But B, how often do you get to see them roll in a nice way? I have another scene squeal. If we're doing scene squealers. Um... Scene squealers. I, was, I, would, I, had a, I have one. I would like to do yeah. scene squealers. Yeah, yeah um, do it. Well, I had a t- it's hard. I have a toss-up between two. Um, mm-hmm. There's a very quick shot, and I wish the movie had more shots of this, of the ape man just sitting on the beach watching, I think Tanya's swimming and it's just the ape sitting on the beach. And I thought that was, I wanted just more shots of like the ape just relaxing mm. on the beach. Mm. Would have been great. I loved that. And then I loved right before the ape sexually assaults Tanya. He kind of does like a, um, like a, like a macho performative dance before he's like, now I'm going to go do this thing. Um, and I liked that part also. So those are my scene squealers. It's a bold choice. The second one is a very bold choice. I, I can't fault either of those scene squealers. Yeah. Those are those yeah. are fairly unimpeachable choices. Uh, Mike, I'm do you thinking, have a, a scene squealer? Um, is it uh, the movie that Tanya is in at the very beginning? Is yeah. like a, it's a Rocky movie? No, I don't. When she's running, that's not. She's she's just running to the film set. I think. I think she's late. That's oh, why I think. That's, that's oh. why I think she has PTSD because I think she's like. I feel like she's wearing. Okay, like her, her, if it's if I'm right that she's wearing a T-shirt that says Rocky, and if it's right. clearly an homage to Rocky, then that's my scene squealer because she runs through a market, an outdoor market, just like Rocky does in the entire right. market. And I think her shirt does say Rocky. Yeah, she's I wearing. Think it Rocky says Rocky. Yeah. yeah. So that's my. Scene squealer. That's the very first image of the film. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I guess I have a second one too. If I, Mikel did too. So I want to do two also. Um, Also, at the very beginning, we talked about her and Lobo having sex. And I always love it in a movie when um, male ejaculate is represented as crashing waves. That is great. And they did do that. Yep. Yeah. I like that. Um, well, you know, I, I kind of am realizing that I guess this is one of those movies probably that's like 
the narrative is sort of cyclical. Like, like we see her like rushing from somewhere and then like at the end, maybe she's going off to the Island. Is that, is that what they're implying? Mikhail? at the ending, she's going off to the Island. Like, like the, God, God damn it. I, you know what? We've, we've, we've over dissected Tanya's Island. We're putting it back together all weird. And, and, and it's just not a movie that supports this level of analysis. Cinema animals nights, you know, we dig deep. Um, I don't have much else to say about this. And wait, and, you didn't? Uh, oh, your scene squealer was the credits. <laughs> it was the credits. Uh, I, I, you know what? I, I can do a second one as well. Um, because I, I quite liked. Uh, well, I actually quite liked the entire sequence where, um, Lobo has Tanya caged, uh, within a larger cage that is excluding Blue, who angrily runs around, uh, beating a stick. On the bamboo, just like earlier in the film, Lobo beat a stick on his bamboo cage um, to infuriate him, and and also kind of tosses things over the wall, if I recall correctly. Yeah. No. Oh, that is true, and and it seems like yeah, those yeah, things yeah, could have yeah. hit Tanya. Seems like those things could have hit Tanya just as easily as Lobo more often than not. Um, and I I, I enjoyed I enjoyed that entire sequence because that was the moment for me where I kind of realized like oh, you know, this isn't just a movie that was trying to be like erotic, I guess this is a film that really is going for like big, bold philosophical and sociological statements. And uh-huh. that is always more uh, enjoyable to watch, uh, you know, do something foolish and insane. Um, so that, I, I did like that moment a lot. That long sequence. I like that as well, Simon. Um, and it is a long sequence. It's very long. And it, it actually, it, it makes me remember that one thing I actually always do enjoy about these movies is um, like sometimes the pacing is so bad that um, the movies have these uh, like a very bonkers relationship to time. Good point. And, and like a scene that should like something in the movie that should take up five seconds can take up 10 minutes and something that should take up 10 (laughs) minutes can only get five seconds. And great. It like makes the the middle of this movie, like time melts in the middle of the movie or something. Absolutely. It does. And like, but at the beginning, it would be really helpful to have more of the beginning stuff so that we understand what the fuck is going on. But we don't get that. What we get is like a 45 minute tone poem where they're trapped in a cage and you're just like, what is going on? Like who's, you can't tell who's inside the cage and who's outside the cage. It's all, it's so strange. And that's the point. You can't tell. That's the point right there. You can't tell who's inside the the cage and who's outside the cage. That's right. I mean, I do want to emphasize that like Alfred Soule's other two movies don't have this kind of weird anti-cinema pacing of of a cinema animals film, whereas Tanya's Island absolutely has it in spades. I mean, again, every scene feels like it's somewhere between one and 12 minutes usually, but like yeah. leaning towards the latter. And, and so, yeah, so this is, this is a tough one. It's extremely dull. It's, it's not erotic. It also does not seem as we've said, particularly horny. I, I would, I, I don't no, know where anything, I'd rate this. Like the all meeting. the, all the sex in the film is like threatening and violent. Yeah. And, 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 and kind and of even used the, to make a statement. Yeah. And the, even like, even the desire, the moments of desire in the film that don't culminate in a rape um the desire like desire is not a, a it's not a p- positive thing like it's the the film is like it's like anti- an anti-desire film yeah way to put it 
Yeah, it is. It is actually a very kind of anti-sexual movie. It, it, sex is portrayed very negatively. I guess I think of it as being a more horny or, or sexual film just because Vanity walks around the entire movie naked. But right. it's true that there's nothing really sexy about that. I mean, and, and she posed for Playboy. You could get the exact same erotic effect by just pinning up her Playboy centerfold and aiming a fan at it. Um, if you know, as watching this film, it, uh, more so, uh, I, I suspect. Not that um, we've done that. Not that we've done that to prove this statement, because we so for yeah. some reason thought that we couldn't say untrue things on the air. Um, that that would be a big waste of time. But um, but yeah, I I don't know. I don't have much more to say about Tanya's Island. Uh, I have one more thing. In in my mind right now, in my memory, the scene where the ape man sexually assaults Tanya does. The film turned blue. There's like the yes, it well it turns to like mist. It, you know, well, like the transitions to and from Tanya's Island, and it's actually genuinely kind of hard to tell because of the low quality of our DVD. But um, is represented by a dissolved to kind of mist. Because remember, like she first segues into Tanya's Island when she's like kind of carrying a candle, and a fog kind of comes in, and then the fog kind mm. of gets us there. Um, so when Blue starts raping her, it goes kind of foggy again. And but it does get kind of bluish, if that's where you were going with this. Yeah, something in there about a blue mo- blue mo- wasn't a blue movie like a term. And the, it, it does, yeah. Blue movie may, uh, was it was uh, in that era, uh, or at least prior to that, but certainly during the era when Alfred Soul would have been making his uh, X-rated picture, right. it would have been called a blue movie. So that's all right. Okay, I see where you're going. Yeah. This is this is very um, all right. So this is kind of your new role is the like interpretational readings yeah. of the film. <laughs> it's really good. I, yeah, okay. no, really, no, it's no I like it. I like it. Yeah. I have a question about um, what are we supposed to do with our DVDs now that we've watched the movie? It's <sighs> a fucking great question. On Tanya's Island. The reason I'm asking is I've never. Uh, I, this is the only DVD I own now. Oh. So that's a huge responsibility, and you have no Blu-rays. I have no Blu-rays. You have no films on physical media except one. Correct. You except... buy. You need to buy a, sh- a shelf now. Oh no, that's not true. I have. <laughs> I have to buy a shelf for it. I have the other DVD that Simon sent me to watch in his portable DVD player. Uh, oh, yeah. When we Did... had the episode where it was a contest. Was that Deadly Eyes? It was Deadly Eyes. Correct. Yeah. Sounds like I have an answer for you. Uh, so you can take the disc out of your tiny Zion case, put it in the trash. Take your Deadly Eyes disc, put it in the Tanya's Island case, put it on the shelf. People will It's a conversation piece. People say, oh, what's that one DVD doing? Is that Tanya's Island? You'd say, it's Tanya's Island, and actually, no, it's Deadly Eyes. <laughs> right away, that's a conversation that's that Good. you want to have. So so I Good. think we've... I knew that um, as our Hollywood, Hollywood insider, you would know what I should do with it. Sounds like you're starting a collection, my friend. I'm excited to see it grow. I, I have to build uh, a shelf and hang it up. <laughs> On Tanya's island. How did this film make us feel about ourselves? I don't know. It's easy to feel morally superior to this film. <laughs> and I, I, I like <laughs> yeah. feeling morally superior to things. Um, at the same time, I was really envious and angry that they were able to afford such a great monkey suit, um, which looks like, I mean, honestly looks like it would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. I, I can't emphasize enough how great a special effect that thing is in such a ludicrous film. Though, again, the DVD quality might have been doing it a favor, but by all accounts, it's a good monkey suit. So uh, jealous and envious of the monkey suit, uh, but glad to be me. Wow, that's good. That's nice. Glad to be me. I guess uh, 
I mean, it made me feel a little um, sad that, like, the message seemed to be that, like, you know, the, the idea that it's anti-desire. So, like, all relationships are doomed. Mm-hmm. Even if you, you know, you and your lover are on a secluded tropical island, you're still destined to uh, fight and despise one another for, like, reasons that really don't matter um yeah that's grim it's a very cynical film about human relationships and and kind of humanity in general but certainly human sexuality and and relationships like it didn't i didn't uh, i didn't really have any thoughts (laughs) it didn't make me feel anything i just i remember thinking like it always feels good to make it through these movies so that, that's a positive. It's always good did, just to like to get through one. What did it make you believe about yourself? Um, well, uh, these movies. <laughs> Mike's Mike's eighty six in your new segment, Mikhail. Yeah, I, it's um, I, I don't the. I am worthless. On Tanya's island. One final note that I would end on is we often talk about the actual percentage of animal in these films. I was very worried that Tanya's island was just going to have a little bit of monkey. Um, (laughs) Like, no, I mean, you know, you look at it, you hear about how fancy the suit was. You expect it's just going to be on screen, like glimpsed every now and then, like the shark and jaws. No, no, no. There's whole scenes where this is where the monkey is on screen for the whole time. You see uh, him do a lot of things. I was very satisfied by that. It's Not a real monkey, though, is what I was going to say. Well, that's true. At the end of the day. No. Right. no but, but there's a real horse. And true. a real pig. And a real pig. Oh, actually, that reminds me really quick. I have uh, extra curricular critters. Mm. Um, uh, I, I mean, you should probably have a few because we haven't done an episode in two <laughs> years. <laughs> right. Um, but no, but this one, is, it's, this, is, this one is good. I okay. saw an opera with a dog in it. I did not like this movie very much. I would give it one pot of three, but with a fair amount of like grudging respect uh, for, you know, a real swing at the fences on pretty much every level and uh, acknowledgement also that if you want to see a movie with a naked woman and an ape on an island, this movie absolutely delivers. And I would never say that it does not deliver on its premise. Uh, I would just point out that as Mikhail said, it does not have anything beyond that premise to entice you further. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to give it um, my first ever um, zero severed pig's heads out of one. Slow. A tough rebuke. Do you have any, do you have any, uh, do you have a synopsis, any, any reasoning there? Or um, it's, it's not, it's not a good, it's not a good movie. <laughs> it's a, it's a not a good movie and it's hard to understand. Um, and I can tolerate, difficulty and i can tolerate badness but um i can't tolerate both at once <laughs> you know what it made me think of it made me long for the um the straightforwardness of a talking cat yeah. um and my favorite scene from that and my favorite moment in that movie is when the one character is at the top of the stairs and he says something like i'm gonna come downstairs and then <laughs> it just shows him walking down the stairs <laughs> and there's something you use the word soothing Mikhail. 
Um, yeah. There's something so soothing about that moment in a talking cat um, where like it's the movie shows you what the characters <laughs> say. As, as you describe really that, <laughs> like as you described that scene, I felt this sense of like my thirst being quenched. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are, it's, we are it's, one it's episode. Into, you, yeah. We're one episode into Cinema Animals Nights and you're already waxing nostalgic for Cinema Animals. <laughs> that was Cinema Animals. This is Cinema Animals Nights. Mikhail, what is your review of Tanya's Island? Uh, uh, like one leg, one leg of Brook Shields out of four Brook Shields is. Uh, All right. That's not a good, uh, not. Um, turns out dreams are not always uh, what we want them to be. So true. Well, that's a total of two out of eight, which I guess you could really kind of round down to one out of four. (laughs) Um, Not that good, not that bad. Hey, we're back. Cinema.